Welcome to the Gonzo Chronicles. I'm your host, Cyrus Alderwood, the official spokesman for Generation X. Stick around. It's going to get weird, as always. To the Gonzo Chronicles. This is Cyrus Alderwood. Today is December 18th. It's Sunday. We are a week away from Christmas, folks. Are you guys ready? I think I'm ready. Uh, all I need to do is go uh, get a couple of gift cards, and that's really all I need to do. I've uh, pretty much bought everything else I was going to do. I'm one of those jerks that, like, I get I get Christmas shopping done either before Halloween or very close after. If I'm not finished by Thanksgiving, something's totally wrong. I hate, hate, hate getting out into the big crowds. Um, and Amazon is my friend. So, hey, um, God, I shop so much on Amazon, it is ridiculous. However, um, I do like to buy American on there. I don't know if you know this, but you can... Um, if you're on Amazon.com, in the search field, just type American Made, and all these independent store sellers will pop up that like, that make their own things. So uh, I tend to shop there. I shop on Etsy because um, I like to, when I'm not out, like, trying to buy local gear, you know, obviously. Uh, so I always say, uh, you guys have listened to me long enough, you know, I encourage going as local as possible. But when it comes to things you can't find locally, I do like to find independent dealers on Amazon and uh, Etsy and, and uh, give that business. I've got some really great things on there. Uh, last year for Christmas, I got my mother on Etsy. It was a really interesting bracelet. And it had the birthstones for me and my two sisters. And I thought it was especially touching. I wanted to do that because... Uh, yesterday was a tough day. Uh, yesterday was two years I lost my sister, uh, Melinda, to COVID. So um, last year, Christmas, I had the birthstones and the initials of, you know, all my mother's three children, uh, including Melinda, on, uh, on this bracelet. So I thought that was kind of touching to get her last year. I sort of wanted to get away from the sentimental stuff this year. Um, you know, it's a couple of years. It's still, it's a tough holiday. I never thought I would say that. Like, holidays would get tough, uh, but I'm, you know, with, with those that you've missed and lost. But I guess as we get older, things change, and, you know, it's, um, you know, losses sort of mount. I guess I hate to quote, no, I love quoting Indiana Jones, but there's a line in Indiana Jones um, where uh, I think it says that, you know, 
we get to the point where life stops giving and starts taking away. And slowly, I guess, that happens. Uh, and uh, unexpectedly so. Unexpectedly so. But, so I'm looking forward to getting together with family this, this Christmas and um, just kind of hanging out, having fun, having a good meal, laughing. Uh, if there's not laughter in the house, it's something, something's terribly wrong. So I got all the Christmas shopping done. I'm excited to kind of kind of move on and uh, and do that. So no sentimental gifts this year. Now, however, I'm pretty sure my mother went sentimental and got some sentimental things. Um, so I bet I'll see my sister Tammy cry. There's, uh, the over-under in Vegas is strongly in favor <laughs> of some tears from her. But um, anyway, no, it's uh, it's going to be a good, uh, good holiday. Every day is going to be exactly what we all make of it. And I'm sure you know that as well as I do, anybody listening to this. So I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to do you a solid. I'm going to give you a heads up right now. If you're a Star Wars fan and you have not yet seen Andor, the Star Wars series on Disney Plus, and you plan on watching it, uh, watching it, stop right here. Come back a little later on. I'm going to spoil this. I'm going to give you spoilers on the show. And if you haven't watched it and you're a Star Wars fan, go watch this series. It's I think eleven or twelve episodes, um, and hopefully this is just series uh, season one. Hopefully they do another season. I'm going to tell you straight up right now, this is some of the best Star Wars writing ever since the original trilogy. Um, this this was an amazing, amazing story. Um, now, I'm going to give you, I like, I know a lot of people look at all the, the newer movies, they kind of piss on them, and, you know, I, I, you know, especially The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, and then... Yeah, but they are what they are. Disney got a hold of the franchise, and Disney's going to do what Disney does. Doesn't mean the whole franchise is so old. They're, they're still good movies. I still enjoy them. Um, did anything replicate the original? No. But that's okay. I mean, there's a new generation that has to enjoy and appreciate Star Wars. So if you only made it for Gen Xers, then you know eventually the franchise would die out. But there's so many great characters and stories that can arise from the Star Wars universe. I'm still excited to see what comes next. Uh, I remember after, um, I guess it was in the 90s, when we knew that the, the series was coming out, like the next, they were going to do the prequel trilogy um, in the late 90s. I, it was so cool that... Um, all these independent writers, I guess, up to that point, were writing their own stories, their own Star Wars uh, stories. And I read a bunch of those. I really enjoyed them. Now, after a handful of them, you know, I, I, which is a bunch to me, I never really carried on that tradition and continued into it because, well, life gets busy. I was, you know, working as a, you know, a broker and a, um, an investment guy up in Cincinnati with Fidelity, and just, you know, life was life was busy. Life was fun. And even though I was all, I've always been a voracious reader, there was a period of time where I just didn't read as much. But I want to tell you something, folks. If you haven't seen Andor, honestly, go start it today. Like, find some, find some quiet time. The episodes are only literally like thirty-five minutes, so they're not like an hour long every every uh, every episode. So so take some time to to watch it. Um, 
so the the uh, so here's I'm gonna get, kind of get started here. Andor is about this the character Cassian Andor. Now Cassian, you may remember if you've seen Rogue One, he's the guy that. Uh, well, he was actually the star, one of the stars of the show, him and the and the Jen Urso. All right, so Cassie and Andor and Jen Urso were there to kind of get the plans from the Empire for the uh, Death Star that they were building and transmit those plans back. Those plans go to Princess Leia. And Leia, you know, obviously at the very end of, of uh, Rogue One, that would be where the beginning of the original Star Wars movie kicks off. Great storyline. I mean, there's no Jedi fighting in it or anything like that. It was just a great storyline of a group of rebels and how they got those plans and uh, some backstory um, into some people in the Empire were forced to do the work that they were doing and didn't want to do it. And just, it was a great, great movie. If I had to rank my movies, my favorite Star Wars movies in order, top five, now, one of them is not going to be popular to whoever's listening to this and Star Wars fans, but I would go Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, uh, Rogue One. Um, then I would do uh, the original Star Wars. Actually, no, flip that. I would do Empire Strikes Back, original Star Wars, Rogue One, Return of the Jedi, and then Han Solo. I know that didn't do great at the box office, but I thought Solo was a great movie. It gave you a really good feel of a younger Han Solo and a younger, um, uh, what was his name? How do, how do I forget Lando Calrissian? Jesus. Anyway, Cassian Andor. Um, yeah, this is the story, the story about him. It's the best content since the original trilogy. Uh, I know uh, fans are going to be looking for some killer lightsaber duels in this, especially after seeing the Obi Wan Kenobi series. But um, you know, and they you know they want just like something force heavy. But it's it's not the case. There's none of that. No Yoda. No Vader. No Jedi. Andor is the story of Cassian Andor. He's the protagonist from Rogue One. Cassian is just some dude on planet Ferrix. but he's no friend of the Empire. He's seen his own tragic losses. He's lost loved ones to the you know the brutal ways of the bad guys. So he really hates the Empire. Right under the nose of the powers that be on Coruscant, there's a rebel alliance that was that had been formed. One of the senators actually is uh, funding heavily the rebellion, and a guy who's like an antiques and a uh, dealer or antiquities dealer. Uh, he is, uh, he's actually going out and recruiting these people. So, anyway, powerful Senator Mon Mothma. You may remember her from the original Star Wars movie, The Name, right? So, powerful Senator Mon Mothma. She's secretly funding the rebellion. And uh, she uh, is coordinating this with a guy by the name of Luthen. He's the antiquities dealer. Uh, Luthen is secretly a rebel recruiter, and he's learned about Cassian. So he sets up this deal to buy a piece of, you know, some piece of imperial military equipment from Cassian. It's like some box or something that has some specific use in their one of their fighter planes or something. But anyway, Cassian got that illegally. He's trying to sell it. Luthen comes in. 
But the deal really isn't about buying the equipment. It's all about recruiting Cassie. So he gives Cassie the promise of this big payout if he does this job for him. And he gets this huge payout if he survives. Right, so he takes this mission, and uh, he goes to this, this planet where there's a, it's like an empirical money center. It's where they process and hold payments for all their workers and contractors and then pay everybody out. So basically, he's going to go rob the empirical bank right, at this this planet where it's kind of like, I don't know, they've run most of the people off, killed a lot of people on there. and But these are people that are like, I don't know, druids or, I don't know, nature lovers, hippies, the hippies or whatever of this planet. Anyway, um, he goes there and he starts working with some strangers, people he don't know. They don't know to trust him. He don't know if he can trust them. And that's okay. But he takes a mission, and he knocks over the Empirical Money Center where they process and hold payments, right? So it's a huge score. And not all of them survive, but they, you know, those that get out, they each separate with, you know, pocket full of money. Cassian takes his share. Actually, one guy was trying to convince him to kill all the others, and those two could take their ship and get off planet. Cassian didn't trust him, but why would he stab all the people he knew in the back? So he kills that guy. So, you know, way to go, Cassian. He gets off planet, and um, he's got a you know, pocket full of money. He's just living like the vacation life after he hits the Empire right in the wallet. Well, the Empire's pissed. So now they know who Cassian Andor is, and they're going to go find the dude. <laughs> so, um, so the, anyway, the, the Empire's furious. They demand for these people that committed this heist to be brought to justice. And they... Uh, they send people, once they find out who Cassian is, they send uh, people from the Empire, a special group that rounds people like him up. They send him to planet Ferrix, where he's from, to find him. However, he eludes them there again. And as he, uh, they round up some of his friends for interrogation, and they hold them to find out more about Cassian. Well, by holding him, I mean they torture them. <laughs> so... Some of them are talking. His friend Bix, she's a really good close friend of his. I don't know if they were like maybe lovers or something. They never really explored that story, but you got the impression that there was a past connection, even though she is with someone new now. You got the impression that there was some past connection. But she lost her mind during the interrogations, and she's really a shell of herself. Meanwhile, Cassian, he's on this, I don't know, vacation hiatus laying low, just enjoying himself. And Anyway, there's these people who do some crime. They're running. And, of course, there's an empire, you know, version of police officers there and and uh, stormtroopers. And as these people are running, they run past Cassie, and he's like, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, so, anyway, he's just enjoying his vacation. Well, anyway, they start shaking him down. He's innocent, but they don't give a crap. It's the Empire. They just arrest people for whatever reason they want. And they transport him to a prison colony, unknowing of who they have in custody. They don't, they have no idea that they've got Cassie. And this is where the story heats up. Okay. Um, so at that point, um, Cassian's on, you know, this, uh, this place, you know, I guess he's, doing hard labor, forced labor, in fact, for the Empire. 
He's not making many friends while he's there, though, especially with the boss of his floor crew, who's also a fellow inmate. And he has very little time left on his sentence, so he's just, he just wants to bide his time until he gets his freedom. But little do these prisoners know that they're working on parts that are to be used in the construction of the Death Star. You don't find that out till the very last episode. All right, when um, if you watch halfway through the credits, and you'll see what those parts are being shipped to the uh, uh, to the uh, side of the Death Star for, and you're like, whoa! Here he was still in plans to blow that sucker up, and he was the guy helping build it, and he didn't even know it. Ironic. Meanwhile, Mon Mothma is fearful she's going to be caught funding the rebellion, so she eventually has to strike a deal with this sleazy money launderer guy. Uh, this is the one he, he he requires her to actually set up a relationship of her daughter with this sleazebag son. So like one of the I don't know, kind of like a uh, I don't say a forced marriage, but hey, you know this is kind of the way it works. You know, this, if you can hook your daughter up with my son, then I will launder your money so the empire doesn't know that you're funneling all this out of your charity. Because when they start looking at the money, they're going to realize. Hey, something is way off here, and uh, and they will. They'll they'll find out the moment they start um, sticking their nose into it. So, so what happens next? Um, well, the daughter gets pissed. She hates her mom. So that means she's probably just going to fall for the guy just to piss her off because her mother really doesn't. She can tell her mother doesn't want her with that guy. So that's yet to be determined, though. Maybe in season two, we'll see how that plays out. But for now, Mon Mothma does what she needs to do in order to protect herself and the funding for the rebellion. She's in at all costs, even setting up her husband, I think, to eventually take the fall when regulators find that money's missing from her charities. So I have to wait season two to see how that works out, too. But what she, what she had done is she knew that the, her driver was a spy. So he was there to listen to everything and report back to, like, you know, certain secret authorities. Because for whatever reason, they, they maybe don't trust her. But she gets in an argument with her husband, starts an argument with her husband about missing money from the charity. And it's like, all right, you're gambling again. Uh, I know you are. And I don't even want to know how much you've wasted out of this charity. Blah, blah, blah. So she set him up for the fall. Uh, I didn't mind so much because he's very much a jerk. <laughs> so, um, but you know, you hate to hate that he gets blamed for something he didn't do, but such is the cost of rebellions. Like bad things, good people have to do bad things. And that is one of the underlying themes of this entire show, this entire series. The rebellion is ugly. People are doing, I mean, they have to do bad things to good people to trick the empire. It's like, it's it's so, so next level when it comes to who's, you know, it's not like Star Wars where it's like just black and white, good and bad, good and evil. Um, man, there's all kinds of shades of gray in Cassian uh, in, in the show Andor. Well, anyway, Cassian's in prison. It's sad news. Um he finds out that his mother has passed away. So Cassian adored his mother. She was a strong woman. So he knows 
he's going to go back to Ferex for the funeral. The only problem is the Empire is already harassing and threatening the locals, and they made sure that the message of her death had plenty of time to reach Cassian's ears. He's public enemy number one in the eyes of some of these empirical officials. So they're laying in wait to spring a trap to catch Cassian. They're going to show their strength and intimidate the locals. They even hung one of his friends in the square. And instead of like making the locals cower in fear, that just served to sort of piss them off. I don't think the Empire was ready for that, those people that were there. Um, Cassian also has another problem that he doesn't know about. Uh, Luthen, the man that recruited him. Uh, he's also headed to Ferrix to kill him. Now, they don't know he was in prison, but actually he had a prison break. All of them broke out. They found out, all the prisoners, like when when your time come and you were done, and you thought you were being released and, and free, they were just moving people to another floor. You were Once you were arrested, you were never going home, but you were a slave until, when you, until you dropped. And once they realized that, and the guy who didn't like Cassian, who was the floor boss, realized that he, he was out, he was supposed to get out the next week. They all revolted. They passed that information along all the prisoners. They revolted, and they escaped. And probably a lot of them died in the escape. But Cassian and, and another guy, they got out, and uh, they managed to um, get to freedom. And that's when Cassian found out about his mother. He called back, and they were intercepting the message of the call. Um, but anyway, um, Luthen, the guy who recruited him, is also on his way to Ferrix to kill Cassian. It's not that he wants to, but he's going to kill him because he's afraid of the Empire is going to get to him first and he'll crack under the pressure and give away Luthen's identity. And we can't have that because he's a major recruiter for the rebellion. So in a heroic ending, Cassian makes it to Ferrix and wrecks, he rescues Bix while the locals are raising hell on the empirical occupiers. In the middle of the funeral procession, this large hologram of Cassian's mother comes up. And she gives her last rousing speech. She recorded it just before her death. To rally the cause and have the locals rise up against the empire to fight the evil that is threatening him in the streets at that time. And they do. So while all that's going on, Cassian is able to get in and get Bix, get her out. He delivers Bix to a transport to get her off of Ferrix and to safety. So he promised her and the other locals that he'll come to find them. And that he leaves. And they take off. They're, they're gone. They're good. They're going to be safe. He knows at that point now that Luthen has come to kill him. So he goes to Luthen. He gives him a chance. He's going to make it easy on him. After witnessing the uprising, Luthen had a change of heart. And uh, Cassian turns his back and said, if you're going to kill me, kill me. And then he doesn't. So he and Cassian hurry off of Ferrix to, you know, live on to fight another day. And at that point, the next we see of Cassian in the, in the order of the Star Wars movies is Rogue One. And I got to tell you, um, like I said, it shows, I love this, this series. It shows the ugly truths behind the rebellion that is not shown in any other Star Wars movie or series. In war, I guess there's always ugly sacrifices and people have to do things that are unconscionable. The Star Wars Rebellion is much the same way. Some people are used as pawns and decoys. 
good people. And it's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. Uh, this is the most impressive Star Wars writing in a long time. So I give this two thumbs up, folks. Definitely two thumbs up. Um, if you haven't seen it uh, and you're still listening, <laughs> um, it's still worth watching. So definitely, definitely go check it out. I, I think you'll really love it. Um, another question for you cats. Uh, what's on your Christmas list this year? What kind of things do you want? Um, I don't know. Well, for some reason, I mean, I know I've been hit and miss with the podcast, but it really hasn't been that interactive as much as I was hoping. I still love doing these things. So if you want to touch base and have a topic you want to talk about or know somebody to be a good guest, uh, email me at cyrus.alderwood at gmail.com. I would say catch me on Facebook, but it looks like somebody tried to hack into me. I got locked out, and I've been off of it for a week, and actually it's just Facebook. I don't know. I got bored with it. That's going to be another topic for another day. I want to talk a little bit about, at some point, social media, the changes that have happened to Twitter, and is Facebook still someplace that you enjoy being? I know it's, to me, I've realized now it's more of a habit than anything. I spent a long time trying to promote uh, you know, my nonprofit on there, uh, pr- trying to promote my books or book sales, and you know what? I mean, I haven't sold a book online in two months. And I spent a lot of time trying to do those promotions on there, and I've given away many books through social media. But I probably, through social media, I've probably given away three times as many books on Facebook as I ever sold from promoting on there. So was it a win-win? No, it was a loss overall. Um, I still haven't grasped how to properly market a book. I got some great books on Amazon. Um, so I don't know, word of mouth, maybe if you know some folks that are interested in readings, uh, jump on Amazon, find a, find one of my books you like and share a link. Um, maybe through email or direct marketing, maybe a little better. I don't know, but Facebook just didn't work out the way it was. And after being off of it for a week, it's like, yeah, I kind of don't miss it. I've been more productive. Actually, I've gotten more writing done and I've been able to plan a few, uh, podcast episodes, which is a lot more fun. Uh, this is so much better talking directly to somebody um, through through the podcast than uh, trying to spark good conversation through uh, Facebook and so forth. Because, I don't know, maybe, maybe I just, uh, maybe I've just kind of grown past it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Facebook's going the way of MySpace. It's hard to say. Um, but anyway, I'll talk sometime about some of the changes on Twitter since Musk took over. I'm still on Twitter. And uh, I'm on Getter. And you can always catch me here at the podcast. Don't forget to um, go to uh, my Substack, cyrusalderwood.substack.com, and uh, check out some of the writings. I'll be updating it again a little later on today. And um, it's, it's free, so make sure you subscribe. If you want to be uh, get some of the locked articles, uh, it's uh, $5 a month. And as my phone's ringing... <laughs> Thank you, everybody, again, for tuning in to the Gonzo Chronicles. I'll be back soon. See you down the road. Cheers.